And just just candidly, we're trying to wrap our heads around that very question as best we can. And I think we're exercising the caution of, if in doubt, ask one more specialist his opinion of it, because I think we feel as if if the answer is there is some risk, we'll, we'll just stand down. If the answer is there's very limited risk, well, then it's a conversation of whether or not Miguel can handle the pain, because I don't think it's realistic to think it's going to subside entirely uh, before season's end. Those are conversations we're having on a very daily basis. Miguel has been very compliant in visiting with some specialists. We were, were cognizant of the fact that the runway to land this large plane is, is not too long at this point. Uh, but until it's uh, totally expired, we're going to be hopeful. This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. It's another week of a double dose of Scoop Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Scoop Podcast episode 98 coming to you after the twins were swept in New York. Episode 97 came to you earlier this week. Mostly interviews, interviews with Wolf slash Lynx owner Glenn Taylor. He was very revealing on the Andrew Wiggins contract extension, Nemanja Bialica's health, Justin Patton's health. All sorts of wolves and links tidbits, so always a pleasure to talk to the owner. Plus, we had Brent Flair, Wild VP, to break down the Miko Koivu contract extension, plus to give us an update on the Zach Parisi back injury. So again, that is episode 97, 98. Will predominantly be news and notes, tidbits, but Thad Levine, Twins general manager, is now a fixture. I'll pretty much have him on as long as the Twins are still alive. For our sake, hopefully it's into mid to late October. The way they looked in New York, it might just be October 3rd. Maybe it's October 1st. Maybe they don't make the playoffs. But as long as the Twins are alive, we will have Thad Levine as a weekly guest. It just didn't time out to have him on earlier in the week. So we will include Thad Levine here in episode 98. First, before we get to Thad Levine, some love for Vine Park Brewing. Online, vinepark.com. Vine Park Brewing helps sponsor the Scoop Podcast, Vine Park Brewing. Is right off of West 7th Street in St. Paul between 35E and downtown, closer to 35E. They are active on Twitter at Vine underscore Park underscore Brew. Right now, $7 gets you a tour of their brewery. See how they make their beer, their wines, their root beer. Then you get a flight or a pint plus Hagee's Pizza. So again, 7 bucks. Learn how to make beer. Then you get a flight or a pint plus Hagee's Pizza. Pretty good deal. Vine Park is the only brewery in the Midwest where you can brew your own beer and make your own wine on their equipment with their help. Vine Park has been the fun place to brew your own beer and make your own wines since 1995. You've been around for 22 years. You know what you're doing. Vine Park Brewery has the Scoop Podcast seal of approval. All right, let's get to Thad Levine. Twins general manager, the Twins swept in New York. As of the taping of this conversation, the Twins won game up on the Angels. For that second wild card, the Angels host the Indians late on Wednesday. If the Angels win that game, the deficit will be just one half game for the Angels. But the Twins, good news, will head to Detroit, lowly Detroit. The Tigers were just swept by Oakland. The Twins get the Tigers for four this weekend. The Twins head to Detroit. In that wild card spot, that second wild card spot. So as bad, as disastrous as New York was, the Twins are still a playoff team heading to play the lowly Tigers. Here is Thad Levine. Thad, thanks for your time. I was taping an open before I brought you into the conversation. I'm always a ray of, of sunlight. I was making the point. I found some good news. So even though you're swept in New York, don't play particularly well, especially 
on Wednesday afternoon. You head to Detroit. Last time I checked, the Tigers are not playing good baseball. You head to Detroit still, regardless of what takes place Wednesday night in Anaheim. If the Angels win, if they lose, it doesn't matter. If they win, even though it doesn't matter, you guys will still be in that second wildcard spot. That's the good news I found. No matter what happens between the Angels and Indians on Wednesday night, you will start that series Thursday in Detroit in the playoffs. Well, I, I think I think certainly you never would ever complain being within 10 games of the conclusion of the season and sitting in playoff position. Uh, but certainly, you know, even more than that, and just the progress the team has made throughout the course of the year, uh, the sheer amount of games we've been blessed to play this season, which we were in a playoff contending position, I, I think is going to prove to pay significant dividends for this franchise for years to come. Now, we're hopeful that those dividends are are this year, uh, starting this year, uh, but but certainly, you know, battle-tested games, you know, even though the series in New York didn't go the way you wanted it to, I'm quite certain a lot of our players, young and otherwise, took something away from this that they will be able to build on for the next time they're in this type of situation, which, once again, we're hopeful is going to be inside of the, in two weeks here. Knowing it's a small sample size of three games, what what bugs you the most about the Yankees' losses, the three Yankees' losses? Was it the leads that you had? I mean, you had leads Tuesday, you had leads Wednesday. You know, I, I honestly, I mean, I think these are all learning opportunities. And, you know, as you pointed out at the outset, uh, we started the series in a playoff position. We, we end the series in a playoff position. So I, I'm, you know, the only source of disappointment I would glean is if, Paul Molitor told us that he didn't feel like the guys learned anything from this experience. And I know for a fact from uh, having conversed with him that, that he doesn't feel that way. So I, I think anytime you're in a heated playoff caliber situation, uh, win, lose, or draw, there's something you should be able to take away from that that, that hardens you and galvanizes the team for, for the next opportunity that presents itself. So you certainly don't buy into any sort of intimidation factor, that, that guys are intimidated to play at Yankee Stadium. Not at all. I think we played right with these guys. And, uh, you know, we, we were in the first two games, we were the proverbial one pitch, one player, one hit away from, you know, the, the end result being different than it was. Today, the game got away from us a little bit. But even in the context of today's game, we had a 3 nothing lead. So I think we demonstrated in, in these games that we are able to play with these guys, no different than what we demonstrated when the Yankees were, were in Minneapolis, I, I will say that the, the Yankees are an extremely talented team. I, I think they've done a great job of blending uh, some veterans with, with some young players. Uh, and, and it's a team that, you know, until we get there, we're going we're to still view as aspirational. And uh, I think there was a lot taken away from that series. I definitely don't feel like we were intimidated. I think we played with them. Can we play better the next time we're there? Of course we can, but I would expect we, we will do just that. Admittedly, Thad, this will be a really tough question for you to answer since you've only been here for the one year. But if you go back 16 years, you guys have have not had a winning season record against the Yankees. Any theories as to why that is? Well, you know, I think historically, you referenced was an intimidating playing there. I, I do think historically, and maybe the previous iteration of Yankee Stadium was a little bit more intimidating. It, it was a place where it felt as if the stand, the fans were sort of sitting right on top of you, mm-hmm. uh, and they tended to be very verbal, very vocal, and uh, at times very vicious. So it was, you know, if there was any ballpark that felt as if there was a home field advantage, Yankee Stadium certainly had that, and I'm sure we're not alone in, in terms of having some challenges playing in that in that venue. Uh, but no, I, I, don't, I don't think there's anything really to that. I think we're going to treat each season, each series as a new opportunity. 
Uh, and I'm quite optimistic that this, this version of the Minnesota Twins is going to be extremely competitive with this version of the Yankees. Somewhat lost, actually probably completely lost, not completely, but oftentimes lost, is when there's brilliant, great individual moments when you end up losing by eight runs. But you think about the Joe Maurer at bat. When was that Wednesday? Was it the third inning today, Thad? Third inning, yeah. I think? So it was like, what, 11, 12, 13 pitches? How brilliant was that at bat? How good was that at bat by Maurer? It was exceptional. It was exceptional. And it's against one of the best pitchers in the American League. Uh, Luis Severino has, has really emerged as a bona fide top of the rotation pitcher. Uh, the game's on the line. Uh, it's, it's a situation that in this series in particular, bases loaded or more specifically guys and run, runners in scoring position we had not thrived in. Uh, Joe had a, a very veteran moment there where he kind of clearly demonstrated that on my watch we're going to come through in these situations, and I, I thought that was a huge at-bat. Uh, you know, I think Max Kepler getting a home run against a veteran left-handed pit starting pitcher yesterday in mm-hmm. C.C. Sabathia, uh, another a significant moment. Uh, you know, even Michael Tonkin's outing today was, was pretty encouraging as he demonstrated he's able to miss uh, good professional hitters' bats, and a lot of those bats were very hot when he came into the game. So I think each game you want to take away something uh, that's such that there's a silver lining. I even look at Luis Severino's outing and say, you know, his track record to, to success in the major leagues is not that dissimilar from what we're hoping from a guy like Jose Burrios, mm-hmm. just a guy who came up last year, scuffled a little bit. There was some conversation as to whether or not he'd be better suited in the pen, and now he's emerged as an all-star starter. Is that what we should expect from the progression of a guy like Jose Burrios in the next couple of years? So a lot of encouraging signs inside of a series in which we don't walk away with a win. That would be fantastic on Barrios. On Severino, if you guys do end up playing the Yankees in that one-game playoff on on October 3rd, Severino will start it for the Yankees. What what specifically do you see with Severino that makes him so good? Well, I, th- I think he's it's electric stuff, and that's where I think he matches up well with the the analogy to to Jose Barrios. It's 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 an electric fastball with with a hammer slider that really makes him very effective and very unpredictable in the mound. You really can't sit on any one pitch. You can't eliminate any one pitch. He's got uh, multiple-plus offerings. Uh, but, you know, I think what we saw in Joe's at bat is you can also battle guys like this, and uh, they're not invincible. So, you know, I, I think as much as you, you referenced the, the concern about some of our guys getting swallowed up in a series like this, uh, keep in mind that if we end up in that type of playoff series, uh, we're going to be facing a starter who very well may not be battle-tested either. He may be hot, uh, but he may not be battle-tested, and it'll be up to us to try to exploit some of those things as well. Irvin Santana has been battle-tested. I thought he was very good on Monday. He gave you a chance to win that game on Monday. I, I, th- I think you, you know that's the theme of his series, season this year, is that not only has he given us chances to win, he's, he's put us in chances to thrive in the end of ball games, and he's ended up shortening it by not forcing us to use too many relievers, but you know, talk about a guy who it doesn't matter, it seems, what the venue is, the opposition, the, the strength of their lineup. He pitches his game, and he does an exceptional job of making adjustments throughout the game to, to give guys different looks. And uh, I can't say enough good things about what Irvin Santana has meant to this Twins franchise over the last two years as he's really emerged as one of the, the most consistent starting pitchers in the American League. What stood out about Barrios's outing on Tuesday? Why did he scuffle? Or is it as simple as, heck, I mean, Hurricane Maria was about to just batter his home country. That had to be weighing on his mind. I can't imagine how hard that was for Barrios, thinking about his family in Puerto Rico, pitching on Tuesday night at Yankee Stadium. 
Well, I think you bring up a good point is that, you know, you're, you're talking about uh, sort of three of our most primary younger players in our team, Jose Burrios and, and, and Vargas and Rosario are all from Puerto Rico. All of them have family who are still living there. All of them weathered Hurricane Irma, and that was a very uh, tumultuous uh, 48 hours for them as they had people, uh, you know, uh, across the Caribbean who were who were trying to just stay out of harm's way, and they, they flirted with not having any sort of contact with them. They make it through that only to get hammered now by Hurricane Maria, where the entire country has lost power, and there's been devastation, I think, specifically. And in, in Rosario's hometown, there's been excessive flooding. And so, it, it, you know, we, we like to think that these guys are singularly focused with the task at hand, uh, but keep in mind Mother Nature is wreaking some havoc on that right now. And, and, you know, our thoughts are with them as their thoughts are with their families in Puerto Rico. As far as you know, all their families are okay? Yeah, I mean, it's it's horrible. I mean, the entire country is without power. But but what we care about the most that is, are there, you know, are there relatives? Are there close ones? Are they all okay after, after this morning's devastation? You know, I would say that that is our primary concern, and I'd be speaking at a school if I, if I knew exactly whether or not they've been able to connect with everybody, because I know the power has been lost yeah, there. And sure. so yeah. I, I don't know their facility in terms of being able to get in touch with those people, but we're going to do everything we can uh, to try to support them through this, this trying time. Bartolo Colon has given up 16 earned runs in his last 11 innings pitched. What is going on with Bartolo? Uh, you know, I didn't realize that until you said it, because, you know, when you watch him pitch, there are pockets of each game in which he's been extremely effective. Uh, so, you know, this is kind of the ebbs and flows of the season. This is also a little bit of a, a testament to some of the, the lineups he's faced recently that are very advanced lineups. So we're, we're going to need to obviously capitalize on the good and minimize the struggles for him as we enter a phase of the season where uh, literally every game is going to count because as much as we've looked in the rearview mirror to, to track what the Anaheim Angels are doing, you know, we have the ability to control our own destiny. It's time for us to look through the windshield and, and take care of business, and taking care of business is, is not uh, limping to the finish line. We're going to need to start winning some baseball games. So across, across the board, uh, I think you know, we're going to see guys stepping up over these last three series uh, starting, starting as early as tomorrow. You feel good about Mejia going against the Tigers? Was he okay? Did he look okay in that first start back? Uh, absolutely. You know, I, I think any time a guy's coming back from a prolonged stint on the DL, you got to give him a few starts to get his feet back underneath him. Uh, good news with, with Alberto is that he really had a, a nice run through his minor league rehab. So he, walk, he walks back in the door with some momentum. I think as we saw and our fans unfortunately got treated to it, uh, that Toronto Blue Jays team is not tracking towards the playoffs, but it's not from a lack of production through the middle of their order, uh, most of whom are right-handed and very threats to hit the ball at the ballpark. It's a tough lineup. And so uh, it's not minimizing anything that the Detroit Tigers can do. They're, they've also had extreme success this year against uh, left-handed pitching. No, no, part of that uh, is in Arizona with with JD Martinez, and part in Anaheim with Justin Upton. But it's still a, it's, a, it's still a pretty formidable lineup. So it will be a good test for Mejia, one one that we feel confident he'll do well in. If you had to handicap the chances, the the postseason award chances, are we talking Buxton Gold Glove? Mauer Gold Glove, even though he had the error on Tuesday, it was shocking to see that error on Tuesday. But Mauer Gold Glove, maybe Molly Manager of the Year, might be hard to beat Terry Francona. But am I forgetting anything? The two Gold Gloves and maybe Manager of the Year. You know, I I, I would I would hope that uh, Byron Buxton and Joe Mauer get the 
uh, ultimately get those awards for front field performance. I, you know, they've been exceptional this year, and I, I don't think you can underestimate the impact that that's had on our pitching staff. You know, I think as as an industry, we've gotten so much more keenly aware of the run prevention side of the game and how to measure it. And those guys just have been right up there with anybody in the American League as exceptional. I think you bring up a great point. Winning manager of the year in the American League this year is going to be is going to be a dogfight. You know, I, I think AJ Hinch has flirted with with it a few times. Terry Francona obviously is a is a recipient, and uh, you know that no one seems to mention it. But uh, all John Farrell is doing is potentially winning in uh, what is widely regarded as one of the hotly most hotly contested divisions in the game. So Molly's done a tremendous job putting us in the position that we are in with 10 games to go, uh, sitting in a playoff spot. Uh, whether or not he garners the, the ultimate prize, like I don't think detracts from the performance this year. And then I'm hopeful you're going to see at least some vote consideration for a handful of other guys for some of the bigger bigger awards given for the year. I'd be surprised if Irvin Santana doesn't garner some consideration in the, in the uh, Cy Young voting for this year. I, I think there are two guys who seem to be Mm-hmm. Uh, at the top of that discussion, but he, he certainly deserves to be in the conversation. On John Farrell and the Red Sox, is there any part of you thinking, come on, Boston, would you lose some games so the Yankees can pass you so we can play the Red Sox, not the Yankees, in the one-game playoff? You know, I, I think I think it's a, it's a dangerous game starting to try to prognosticate who would be the better matchup for you. I mean, our, our singular goal right now is getting in the dance. Uh, we're, we're not thinking past that. We're not thinking even, uh, you, know, to, you know, to selecting a, a – opposition in that game we're, we're, we're strictly trying to get in i think that would be a monumental step for our young group uh and also from where we came from last year so we understand that if we end up getting in uh we probably put in our position put ourselves in a position of playing a road game which by definition probably leaves us as an underdog but we're fine being in that position uh we'll allow for the other team to have all the expectations heaped on them and uh, we'll go in there with the attitude of we're confident we can play with anybody, and we'll, we'll do just that. Dave, we've been talking for almost 15 minutes. You shocked I haven't brought up the names Miguel Sano and Doug Minkiewicz? Uh, you know, we've had a lot of important things to discuss. A playoff contending team warrants at least 15 minutes, I believe. Well, I agree. I mean, I guess let's start on Minkiewicz. I mean, people had to expect changes. You and Derek come in. It's not like it was going to be everybody coming back. You've had a year now to analyze Everything about the organization, changes were inevitable. In this case, you guys made the change. You guys are the bosses. You know, to me, it makes all the sense. The only thing maybe I would have done differently, and you can tell me if you disagree, but, you know, texting with Doug on Friday, he reached out to a few of us. Texting with Doug on Friday, I know he was upset that he didn't talk to you or Derek directly. In hindsight, would it have made sense for maybe one of you two, not Brad, to deliver the news to Doug? You know, I think I think each group probably handles those situations a little bit differently, and uh, we're respectful of of how things may have uh, been done here prior. But uh, I think one thing that Derek and I have tried to incorporate into uh, our leadership style here is is really empowering and, and delegating the, the department heads. And mm-hmm. so, you know, this is obviously a very difficult conversation to be had, and sure. one that no one relishes having. Uh, but, you know, we've, we've asked our guys to have those conversations no different than we've been putting them on the phone to, to announce promotions to guys in their group. So we're not superseding either of those types of conversations. We think if our de- department heads are supposed to be responsible for the development of their staff, like that is, that is part of uh, the conversations that we think they should have 
uh, rather than necessarily coming singularly from from Derek and myself. I think there'll be instances certainly where uh, that's less applicable. Uh, but in these instances, we felt that was the right way to go. Uh, you know, we support Brad, and we certainly had a lot of conversations behind the scenes on that. I, you know, in our intentions in a lot of those regards is for Derek or myself to follow up as well at some juncture with the employees. The comments he offered up, I guess, on the record to the Star Tribune, do you just shake your head reading those comments? No, I, hey, listen, these, these things are very personal to each individual, and everyone's entitled to their, their own response. I, you know, I, I think it's, it's almost impossible to put yourself in the shoes of somebody who hears that type of news and I'm very respectful of the spectrum of emotions that uh, you know you feel as a result of that, and so no, everyone is everyone is entitled to own their their own response. I, I don't take anything particularly personally, and also I am not beyond getting better myself. So if there are things that we could do better in the process, uh, it's certainly something we strive to do. We don't have all the answers to these situations, especially when human lives are involved. We don't take it lightly. Uh, but no, I have to reiterate, I, I, I think everyone's entitled to their own response. And, you know, these are very trying times for people and, and we don't relish it and we don't take it lightly. The obvious follow up is where where do you think you can get better? Uh, I, you know, I think every each and every day I, I feel as if I, I hope I, I'm striving to get better, you know, to conversations on a very regular basis with with guys like Mike Radcliffe and. Rob Anthony and people who've been in this organization for quite some time, who've really done almost everything in the game. I think they're providing both Derek and myself with a constant education on, on the traditions of the, of the Minnesota Twins and how those can be incorporated into uh, our designs for what the next iteration of the proverbial Twins way can be. So, you know, each and every one of these conversations, personnel matters wise, I, I think you learn something when you sit down and talk to somebody, uh, because I said it just it uniquely impacts every single person. And if you're, if you think it's a A to B to C linear conversation, it's anything but. And you've got to be prepared to to make adjustments along the way and, and demonstrate some empathy and, and willingness to to learn and grow with people, especially through difficult times. Well put. We'll finish with Sano, but are there more changes coming? Did I hear correctly that Howard Norsetter was let go? You know, we, we're still having active dialogue with some of our international scouts, and, and Howard is a, a guy who's made a huge impact in this organization for quite some time. So there, there's some conversations around just readdressing some of our current uh, philosophical endeavors in, in the international ports of call, just which is to say we may be changing our emphasis on which countries we spend the most time on. And so it, you know, this is a collaborative conversation as to how best our existing staff can fit into what may be a little bit of a new structure. So more to come on that topic later. Makes sense. I mean, is is Japan the obvious one? I mean, I know you have the scout based in, in South Korea, but does it make sense to have somebody based right there in Japan? You know, in, in our vision of it, it, it would. Uh, you know, the, the Japanese markets really are almost exclusively on the professional side, much less so on the amateur side. Uh, but it's it's been bearing a lot of fruit as, as guys who, some of whom have played in the major leagues or the minor leagues, gone over to Japan and come back, and then some Japanese players who are coming out. But I do think a lot of teams are having meaningful success scouting those professional markets. Right now we, we have a part-time scout who, who works for us in Japan and identifies a lot of talent. 
uh, but it could make a lot of sense moving forward having a full-time scout in the country of Japan. We'll finish with Sano. There have to be people listening right now thinking, Thad, you're far too kind to that buffoon. Quit giving him so much time. But I always appreciate you giving us so much time. On Miguel, is there is there any chance, I mean, just reading some of Molly's quotes the last few days, Thad, you know, that optimism. I mean, last week there was some level of optimism. Is that optimism going away at this point? You know, I... I... I'm 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 still hopeful. You know, mm. we've had we've now had multiple doctors review his case. Uh, I think the thing that you're so hyper attentive to in these instances is the risk of doing more damage by asking the player to play. And just just candidly, we're trying to wrap our heads around that very question as best we can. And I think we're exercising the caution of, if in doubt, ask one more specialist his opinion of it because I think we feel as if. If the answer is there is some risk, we'll, we'll just stand down. If the answer is there's very limited risk, well, then it's a conversation of whether or not Miguel can handle the pain because I don't think it's realistic to think it's going to subside entirely uh, before season's end. Those are conversations we're having on a very daily basis. Miguel has been very compliant in visiting with some specialists. We were, we're cognizant of the fact that the runway to land this large plane is, is not too long at this point. Uh, but until it's uh, totally expired, we're going to be hopeful. And you could still do simulated games. I mean, he hasn't he hasn't faced pitching, and now what is it? I mean, was it August twentieth? I guess one month. I mean, would that be the solution if he's if he's capable of pinch hitting or DHing that he would face some of your some of your guys like the Glenn Perkins of the world? Uh, absolutely, and you know that that's one of the silver linings of the injury being sustained this time of year is that. We just do have some extra arms up in the big leagues, and a lot of them saw time in this past series. Uh, but, you know, we're hopeful that uh, so a few of those guys may come off the rest of this road trip a little bit more rested and uh, dying to face a guy like Miguel Sano, and that, that may that may help jumpstart him a little bit. Always appreciate it, Thad. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Here's what you might have missed on a recent episode of the Touch em All podcast. To that point about last year being an aberration, I think this year has proven that absolutely last year was not a really a true 103 loss team because it wasn't like they overhauled the whole roster. They didn't get 20 wins better in the offseason right. by adding two extra pitchers in the rotation and, and a big free agent thumper in uh, the outfield. They pretty much brought the same crew back. There was a couple improvements, Eddie Rosario, Byron Buxton, Jose Barrios, uh, but for the most part, it was just the same crew and a natural progression, right. mostly guys emerging into their primes. We can officially say that last year, the true talent level was not 103 losses. It was probably more like 90 losses, and the season just slipped away and things piled on. Started a bunch Injuries. of pitchers that didn't belong, all yeah. that kind of stuff. You can find the Touch em All podcast on 1500ESPN.com's podcast page or on iTunes. Twins GM Thad Levine, always so gracious with his time. Howard Norsetter, a longtime Twins employee, has been let go. Resides in Australia, a longtime international scouting guy. I am told, indeed, he has been let go. Howard Norsetter let go by the Twins. Before we get to Wolves, Vikings, and Gophers football nuggets, some love for Camp Zero Coolers. Camp Zero Coolers. Helps keep the Scoop podcast going. Online, camp-zero.com. You can use the promo code SCOOP, SCOOP, for $10 off any order. Why can't reliable, cool-looking products also be affordable? Well, the guys who own Camp Zero Coolers 
asked the very same question. They've traveled the world, these brothers, all over the place the last 30 years developing and sourcing products to make outdoor living easier. Their philosophy is simple. You offer ruggedly cool outdoor products that are affordable and, more importantly, designed to withstand the rigors of the outdoors. Whether you are going camping, hunting, fishing, you're tailgating, you're just attending a family picnic, Camp Zero branded products will always have your back. They have some great coolers, I'm telling you. Think about it. Gophers football tailgating with Big Ten season coming really fast. September 30th, the Big Ten opener against Maryland, 11 a.m. start. You need to start tailgating at 7 in the morning. You need the right equipment to tailgate properly. Camp Zero Coolers. Think about it. Check them out. Again, the website, camp-zero.com, and use the promo code SCOOP to get $10 off your order. Now let's get to some Wolves tidbits. All right, on the Wolves, the latest I hear is Wednesday, sometime Wednesday, late morning, early afternoon, the Wolves, maybe even early morning, considering Tibbs is in the office by 7 a.m., that the Wolves' front office was to reconvene, go over free agent options. They swing and miss on Dante Cunningham. So what will they do? Are they still looking for a wing and a guard? Well, the latest buzz is they may just add a guard. I still fully expect them to add one more free agent in the coming days. Don't necessarily know if it'll be two. Been asked a lot about Mike Dunleavy Jr., Gerald Green, other potential wings. No steam whatsoever on those guys. Been asked a lot about Monte Ellis. I have no sense whatsoever. In fact, there's been no dialogue, just about no dialogue. I mean, there was one courtesy call, but really no interest shown by the Wolves in Monte Ellis. I still say keep an eye on Aaron Brooks. Did have one league source say, hey, you might want to dig into Darren Williams. Checked with somebody close to Darren Williams. Doesn't sound like there's legitimate steam there. I still think Aaron Brooks, his history with Tom Thibodeau, is a name to watch. Glenn Taylor on Scoop Podcast episode 97 said that Tibbs had his eyes on a combo guard. I suppose Aaron Brooks can play off the ball, doesn't have the size of an off guard, but he's feisty enough. Or maybe that's who Glenn was talking about. I don't know who Glenn was talking about, but I'm just telling you Aaron Brooks remains a name. I've been talking about Aaron Brooks for a number of weeks. I would say continue to monitor his name as long as he is on the free agent market. I hear Sean Williams had a good workout here. Other guys had good workouts here. Kirk Heinrich, Nate Robinson, you know, even Isaiah Cannon to a degree. But it doesn't sound like anything is really going on with any of those guys. I still think Brooks is a name to watch. You know, maybe they get to camp in San Diego next week. Actually, they start on Saturday, but maybe they get to camp and then realize, oh, shoot, we are a wing short. So maybe at that point they would reconsider bringing in a wing. But my intel at this point is it looks like just a guard, not necessarily a wing. That means a guy like Marcus George's Hunt. He was on a recent Scoop podcast. Not a man of many words, but I hear he has looked okay in these informal scrimmages at Mayo Clinic Square. I hear Brown, the guy they signed to a two-way deal, has also looked pretty good. So maybe one of those guys has a chance to stick as the year begins. On Isaiah Cannon, I hear the Lakers and Bucks have offered training camp tryouts. Nobody is offering any sort of good guarantee, but the Lakers and Bucks have interest in Cannon to have him come into their training camp. On Andrew Bogut, David Aldridge had the note the other day on Twitter that the Wolves made a strong push for Bogut. That might be a bit overstated. I mean, who am I to doubt David Aldridge's source or sources on that? 
there was conversation, so we could be debating semantics, but I don't get the sense that the Wolves pushed uber-aggressively on Andrew Bogut. On Cunningham, he not only turned down the Wolves, he also turned down Milwaukee and Toronto. I can't recall if I mentioned that on Scoop Podcast episode 97, so in case I did not, there it is. Dante Cunningham turning down the Wolves, the Bucks, and the Raptors all made offers to return to New Orleans. For whatever reason or reasons, the Wolves had no interest in retaining Brandon Rush. I had the scoop on Twitter a couple days ago that the Bucks were showing interest. Good ultimate scoop by my buddy Jace Frederick of the Pioneer Press. Jace with the scoop that Brandon Rush would indeed sign a deal with the Milwaukee Bucks. But the Wolves never had interest in retaining Rush's services. All right, Gophers football. On the surface, you see the team is 3-0. When's the last time they won back-to-back games like this? Two back-to-back games in blowout fashion. So on the surface, you're like, hey, everything is great with the Gophers. Not so fast. Not necessarily. P.J. Fleck, when he talks about needing to change the culture, he knows what he's talking about. P.J. Fleck is holding these guys incredibly accountable. But there are some issues over there, some guys getting into trouble. Why don't we do this? I was on with Mackie and Judd on Wednesday. They are on 9 to 1 on 1500 ESPN. I was on with them for my normal weekly appearance, 1235, right in the heart of the Twins game. So maybe not a lot of people listened, just so I'm not monologuing for 45 or 50 minutes during this podcast. I will replay my Gophers conversation with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. That will provide a little bit more clarity on what I mean, that everything isn't quite so dandy over at the Gibson Nagurski Football Complex. Uh, let's get to go for football here. What are you hearing? I'm just going to tee this up for you. Um, PJ Fleck, and uh, and he's had a, a few games here, and he's bringing in a lot of new vernacular, and he's bringing in a lot of new excitement and talking about resetting culture and things like that. What are you hearing about that? I will say this. We talked about this when I got into the studio a bit off air. Here's what I'll volunteer on air. There are members of the previous staff that are upset with PJ Fleck continuing to talk about, I need to change the culture. The culture needs work. I can just tell you, there are members of the previous staff, the previous regime, Hmm. incredibly ticked off. Now, on PJ, I would advise him, and I like him. I mean, remember this, Phil. You and I are all in on P.J. Fleck. I heard Royce's rant with Judd on Saturday, and I respect Patrick's opinion. I differ when it comes to what Patrick thinks. I like P.J., but if I were to talk to P.J. today, I would tell him, just tone it down a notch. There are players over there finding trouble. I will tell you this. There is a starting player. You will hear this next week. No media availability this week. I think P.J. has a contractual obligation to do some sort of radio hit, but you won't see any sort of depth chart. There's no real media access this week with the bye week, so you will hear this next week. They will be without a starting player for the next few weeks. So look for that. That player found some trouble. And this is not, this is, Demery Croft is a different thing. This is a Demery Croft is a completely different thing. I'm not talking about Demery Croft. And he's not back yet, correct? He is not back. He was not at practice earlier this week. My understanding is, as I told you guys last week, no, no. Okay. So, no, Connor gets it. 
So no, Connor's a good kid. So to backtrack for a second, the f- and he's completing passes. By the way, I like Connor. I've the told form- you that for many months. The former, the former staff is growing tired now because I mean, yes. Flex been talking culture since the day he walked in, and my guess is if more kids are finding trouble at times, he's going to continue to preach that because that's sort of his point. Well, so hold on, two things real quick. Number one, off what Judd's saying. A big part of the reason why Tracy Clays was let go was because of all the things that happened, and it and the and the whole scandal spiraled into a national story. Now, could the U have handled things better or differently? I'm sure there are things that they could have or should have done differently. Uh, so that's number one. But number two, when I hear PJ Fleck talk about instilling his core principles and using some of the acronyms that he uses and talk about culture and uh, spiritually, academically, athletically, and socially. I don't I don't hear it as a direct attack against the old regime, but it could be construed as well if you if you're talking about improving a culture or growing a culture then the the previous one was clearly lacking in some way. So agree, but I'm just telling you how the previous staff interprets those comments. Now I'll say this on PJ. In one particular area, and I know I'm being vague here, but I'll just tell you this. In one particular area, P.J. Fleck is absolutely holding his players way more accountable than the previous staff did. And you P.J. Can't, Fleck and you, overall is holding these guys and you can't tell us what area? more accountable. No, I won't slip on the area right now. Okay. No, you, just for, for sake of the other job and some stuff I'm working on, um, no. But I'll volunteer like that for the sake of the segment. The segment is the scoop. I'll give you that, that there is one area in particular. I'd like one more Fleck... scoop. I'd like the scoop to be a little bit bigger right here. Yeah. No. I'd like, I mean, I like the scoop. <laughs> I like the scoop, but I'd like, a, I'd like some, you know, some chocolate too with that vanilla scoop doogie. Maybe one day. <laughs> I'm working on some stuff. Maybe one day. I'm just telling All you, right. there is on the surface, you say three and oh, right? When's the last time they won back to back games by as many points as they have these last two games? On the surface, you would say, what a start. All is great. Behind the scenes, not so much. Am I correct in saying, though, to Phil's point here, and here's where I don't necessarily side with Fleck, but I see, I think I I see his point. It seemed to me that Jerry Kill did a very good job. And Jerry Kill was hired to be a head coach and had that mentality and came in and inherited a mess and did a nice job. I don't give the same to Clays. Clays was a defensive coordinator who was promoted because they were completely panicked, rightfully so. Their head coach quit. So I I think it's very fair uh, to break this down with two separate people. Jerry Kill, who basically had to start anew and had a lot of work, Doogie. Mm -hmm. I mean, he changed the culture, right? He did, yes. But my point is, I don't think Clays did. I mean, Clays was fired for reasons. I don't disagree with that. For reasons. So, So I think for the previous staff to take... Umbridge, and I know they talked about continuity, and we've all been, you know, coaching together for 25. That's a bunch of BS in this sense. Jerry Kill was their boss. Jerry Kill left. Tracy Clays was not necessarily qualified for that job. So I, I can see Flex saying, oh, you know what? There were problems here. And being right about that. And for the and for the previous staff to say, no, no, we did a great job. No, your Jerry Kill years were good. I don't know the Tracy Clays years were as productive, and and I always go back to what I've told you, which is Mark Coyle's not a dumb guy. Mark Coyle observed what Clays was doing and mm-hmm. said, I don't think this is going to work, and I think Mark Coyle was right. I agree with everything you just laid out. I cannot take issue with anything, not even one tiny point of what you just said. I am with you. We are on the same page on that. I'll also say this much. My understanding is, of all these individuals, a part of this equation 
P.J. Fleck is being, what's the best way to term it? He is the adult in this situation. All right, picking up an edit, that was the conversation I had on Wednesday afternoon on 1500 ESPN. Also got into some twin stuff and some wolf stuff, but I just wanted to clip the Gophers football dialogue just to break this up so I'm not monologuing for 50 straight minutes. What I will add, here's what I can add. There's no sense that Demry Croft will be back for the Maryland game. They will be down a defensive, a key defensive player, a good defensive player. I will say that much. So I said, hey, there's going to be news next week of the Gophers being down a player. I'll add this much. Defensive side. Defensive side of the ball, not offense. Now, Devers is back. Remember what I talked about in previous Scoop podcasts? Devers was always healthy. I heard he had a really good scrimmage on August 12th that was closed to reporters, but I'm told he played well in that scrimmage. He was healthy, so read between the lines why he missed the first couple games, but he was back for the Middle Tennessee State game. But I'm just saying there are some issues over there. So P.J. Fleck is is right in some ways when he's talking about, I need to change the culture. Now, I don't know if he wants to keep saying that. Maybe just change it, then talk about the changes you made. You know, because I'm telling you, there are members of the previous staff that just, they can't take it anymore. They are so fed up with P.J. Fleck's vernacular. But I'm just saying, I'm okay with with P.J. Fleck running a tight ship. I mean, there is no doubt that he is holding these guys very accountable. I am a P.J. Fleck apologist in many ways. So Patrick Royce and I differ on Fleck, you know. But I would just say that that when you have 100-plus players, you're always going to have some kids that maybe on occasion find trouble, break team rules, late for this, doing that. So P.J. Fleck is working on that, but I'm just telling you, there's more going on behind the scenes than just to say, okay, they're 3-0, and all is great. They are playing well. They have looked very good. The competition level ramps up, but behind the scenes, there's some stuff going on. Not unheard of. There is stuff going on behind the scenes of many college football programs. I'm just telling you, look for some news next week of the Gophers being down a contributor, a key contributor, at least in my opinion, that can be subjective. But I feel like they are down a key contributor heading into that game against Maryland, 11 a.m. on September 30th at TCF Bank Stadium. Many of the coaches on the road recruiting this week. Players did get some practice time in earlier this week, I know. But many of the coaches out and about. I know P.J. Fleck went to go see a quarterback in California on Monday. All right, on the Vikings, I was on the Andy Carlson for the win podcast earlier in the week. I was on Sean Zobel's football podcast earlier in the week. So talked plenty of Vikings, both with Andy and with Sean, those podcasts available, whether it's iTunes, 1500ESPN.com. They are easy to find, but I can reiterate some points. I said it on Channel 5 on Sunday night with Joe Schmidt. I'll reiterate it right now. There is some level of optimism that Sam Bradford can play against Tampa on Sunday. Now, Wednesday at practice, he was limited. He did not do a whole lot. The idea is let's see how he responds when he wakes up on Thursday morning. So it's a bit of a fluid situation. In fact, all injury situations are fluid by definition. We really won't know. I mean, it's not like it's definitive that he's got something torn or anything like that. The new news on Wednesday was that Sam Bradford told us that the injury happened in a non-contact situation. So presumably with his plant foot, his plant knee, that left knee he planted, maybe something twisted, whatever, when he was making one of the throws in the Monday night game against New Orleans. But look for him to be limited in practice again on Thursday. We may not have full clarity, possibly again until Sunday morning. 
maybe sometime Saturday some news leaks out. But I can just tell you, over the weekend, there was some level of optimism from one person at Winter Park about Sam Bradford's potential availability on Sunday. On Teddy Bridgewater, I believe the 247 site picked up on something I said with Andy Carlson. My advice, listen to the entire 10 to 15 minutes that Andy and I went back and forth on Teddy. I said a lot of things about Teddy. I'll say this. Teddy is doing well. That doesn't mean he is playing week seven against the Baltimore Ravens. He is not ready to come back in mid-October. He's doing well, but we don't know how he could take a hit. I told Andy over-under. He gave me an over-under of, I think, .5. Teddy Bridgewater starts this year. I took the under. He still has a ways to go, but he is doing very well. I fully expect him, and I've been saying this for weeks, so I have no idea why 247 would have picked up on this story. I've been saying this for weeks. I fully expect Teddy Bridgewater to be able to come off the physically unable to perform list after week six. So after that Green Bay game, heading into that Baltimore game, I fully expect him to be ready to go. That's barring, you know, any sort of, you know, if he has some sort of setback, things change. But as of now, I saw him in the locker room on Monday. He was in great spirits. You see him practicing. You know, we get to watch 10 or 15 minutes of practice. Some of those practices, he's off on the side field. He's moving well, just from the naked eye, talking to others over there, knowing how great a job that Eric Sugarman and his medical staff do. I'm just telling you, there's a lot of optimism about Teddy Bridgewater. That doesn't mean that Teddy Bridgewater is playing in a game anytime soon. A potpourri of notes, the Gophers still have some optimism about their chances with Indianapolis guard Eric Hunter. It's down to the Gophers, Ohio State, and Purdue. Hunter scheduled to visit the Gophers next week. Now Richard Pitino visited a couple other 2018 guards. The idea is to complete the 2018 recruiting class with a guard. Eric Hunter would be the top priority. Hopefully they can convince Eric when they have him on campus, hey, this is the right spot for you. Gophers assistant basketball coach Ed Conroy was in Rochester last week to check out 2019 stud Matthew Hurt of Rochester, John Marshall. Roy Williams of North Carolina was in earlier this week. Matthew, a reminder, one of the five or ten best players in the entire country in the class of 2019. Trey Jones takes his official visit to Duke this upcoming weekend. What else do I have from a potpourri standpoint? I guess on the wild, listen to Scoop Podcast episode 97. I had Brent Flair, VP of Operations in the front office, he was on. He talked to Miko Koivu, contract extension, plus Zach Parisi back. And I had Glenn Taylor on. We talked about Andrew Wiggins, the five-year, $148 million extension. Plus, we talked a lot of links. You think about the run that the links have been on in the finals for the sixth time in the last seven years. One heck of a dynasty for the links. Hopefully, they get that fourth ring with Game 1 Sunday at Williams Arena, 230 on at least here in the Twin Cities, Channel 5. So a 2.30 tip-off on Sunday on Channel 5. Links sparks game one of a best of five. I'm trying to think if there's anything else really pressing. We got to the Twins with Dad Levine. I got the stuff about the Vikings out there. I've got some other tiny notes written down. I can always save those for a different Scoop podcast. So I think what we'll do is give another shout-out to Vine Park Brewing, vinepark.com online. They've been around since 1995. You're not around for 22 years by accident. They have good beer. They have good wines. They have good root beer. Vine Park Brewing on West 7th Street in St. Paul between 35E and downtown St. Paul for a ton more information. Again, the website, vinepark.com. We thank all of our sponsors we love all of our sponsors. Camp Zero, camp-zero.com, Running Tap. They'll deliver you some beer. 
and Vine Park Brewing, vinepark.com. That does it for Scoop Podcast episode number 98. Always appreciate you listening.